Richardson takes it off! A goal from the heavens for Kieran Richardson! Hello and welcome back to the What The Folk Sunderland Preview Podcast. It's been a little while since the last episode due to International Weekend. I'm a little bit croaky, but I must admit I've been pleased to rest up aside from that. Um, however, we're back with a cracker of a show. Sunderland host Ipswich Town at the Stadium Light this Saturday. And we are looking to arrest a run of pretty damaging defeats, whilst the Tractor Boys are aiming to heap more misery on the lads and jump a little bit further up the table. And to join us to preview the game is a very well-known and a returning voice in the shape of Benjamin Bloom, Ipswich fan, YouTube sensation, and host of the ever-popular Benjamin Bloom football show. Ben, how are you doing, mate? You all right? I'm great. We've got to break the fourth wall here. It's like we, we, we sit here and get on the call. Graham and I have known each other for a long time and we both just sit and moan, right? We moan mm-hmm. about how achy we are and how tough. And then the red light goes on and he's all, welcome everybody <laughs> to, the, to the preview show. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm very achy and I, I made a, a chicken passanda from the, we got this meal subscription thing. Yeah, so it's, it's hardly like I'm, you know, making some complicated meal. And I wanted to be like Gordon Ramsay when I see him on the telly. And he's like, right, test, test. So I stick the spoon and I completely burnt my tongue yesterday. So as well as my bad back and my neck that gives me jip every morning, I've got a burnt tongue. So um, you might get fiery Ben this month, grumpy Ben for some good, for some good. Although, to be honest, Sunderland and Ipswich, not... Not, I know, obviously, you've had the three straight defeats, have you? But um, probably mm. reasons to be reasonably optimistic for both. Ah, you'd be surprised. Listen to the Sunderland fan base. You'd be surprised, including <laughs> myself in that. But, um, but Graham, that is sorry to cut you off. That is a genuine um, thing. With a, with, and I know other fan bases get so irritated at Portsmouth fans, Sunderland fans, Ipswich fans, mm-hmm. Oxford fans saying, we're the club of our size at League One. We get it. We got relegated. We're here now. But you're only ever three defeats away from, God, what are we doing? We're Sunderland. <laughs> We're losing three in a row in League One. And this division is hard. And look at Rotherham and Plymouth going great guns. And, you know, so I, I get it. You, you, you know, when you think you're maybe... Um, slightly underachieving for your level. And I'm sure neither fan base expects to be, you know, top 10 in the Premier League. But, you know, we expect to be having a crack at the playoffs at League One level, don't we? So I get it. I get it. Yes. Yes, we do. And and talking of it, which obviously will go straight to, to current season form. It's been a funny old season, which we'll get into. But before we do delve deep into it, you're coming on the back of the, come into the game on the back of, Home draw against Oxford, 0-0, and a 4-1 away win at Wickham. Obviously, there's been cup games and pizza cup games in between as well, but solely looking at the league, how's the mood at Ipswich at the moment? 
I think the mood's quite positive because um, the trend is upwards. So, I mean, off air, you sort of referenced the, the mental season. And I mean, I was trying to think, um, it's not quite the same. I remember that season you guys had where you signed 100 players in the um, mm. in the in the summer. That was probably even more mental than what we've done because at least this was over a over a close season. But had a bad start, lost some silly games, and you know it's no disrespect to Morecambe or Cheltenham or whoever you Cambridge you're dropping points to. They know what they're doing. You know, a lot of them have had the same manager for a while and the same strategy and and tactics. So the idea is we've given ourselves very little margin for error. Um, in terms of the expectation of this sort of very highfalutin squad in League One terms that's been assembled. And we, we kind of got up to this run of games and it was Pompey away, then Fleetwood at home, then Plymouth away, then Wickham, um, Oxford and then Sunderland. And we were all frankly like, hang on a minute, if this goes how we think we could and you're sort of scoring a point per game from that run, it's like, we are going to be miles and miles away. But it's actually been decent over this run. We beat Pompey quite handily. A bit lucky against Fleetwood. Looked like one in the last last minutes. And that felt like the two sides were evenly matched. We've just got more money and better players, which is, you know, not, not nice to hear if you're a Fleetwood fan. But you, you, you'll have had games like that being Sunderland, where it's like, oh, they're good. But, you know... We, we just got better resources and can bring on a sub and win the game in stoppage time or whatever. Um, we lost at Plymouth and Plymouth, uh, they're looking like they could now go the, go the distance. You start to think, well, actually, how good do they have to be now to even finish in the playoffs? They put, scored so many points. Like Wickham, um, the season Wickham went up where they were pretty much in the same position Plymouth are now. And you just have to be all right now for the rest of the season. You finish in the playoffs and, you know, they're going great guns. Um, I, I we tipped them for relegation. That, that's why they're doing well, because I tipped them for relegation. That's why they're doing well. Yeah, I've got a similar thing with Huddersfield going on at the championship at the moment where I tip them to be 23rd and they're sort of like, I don't know, like 748 at the moment. Um, we were really good against Wickham. Really, really good, Graham. And I was so, so pleased with that performance because, uh, you know, Wickham are good, but they're horrible, aren't they? They just, you know, they you kind of... No arguments on that from a Sunderland podcast. No arguments on that. <laughs> but you sit there... And you've been defending your own third for 15 minutes, and you think, "What? What? We're never gonna, we're never gonna get to the halfway line." They just hem you in, and the throw-ins keep coming, and they win the second balls and recycle, and you know they're just just good at what they do, aren't they? But we had a really good performance then. Drew nil-nil against Oxford. So the prevailing mood is that we started badly, left ourselves a lot to do, especially in terms of top four, which call call you call me an arrogant Ipswich fan, but when you saw the players that were being signed, that was kind of, oh, we've got Paul Cook and we've got all this great squad and this new ownership. But the trend is upwards. And I think what Cook is doing well now, and he 
he keeps saying it in every interview. I can't, I'm not going to do his voice changes and his Scouse accent. That's but incredible, it, his voice changes, to be fair. That's worth it, every interview. It is fantastic, isn't it? Um, I don't I don't know what a vocal cord specialist would say if they took an x-ray of the poor guys. Because all he does is drink coffee and yells. That's all <laughs> he does in his, in his life. So his vocal cords must be screwed. But if I count up here, one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. It's like two defeats in 14 games. One of them was Accrington away where we were, you know, we were hopeless and they just beat up on us. And that's happened to lots of teams at Accrington and Cheltenham and Cambridge, etc. The other one was Plymouth away. So the momentum is growing. Um, but we with that start to the season, we've left ourselves a lot to do. Hence why when you actually look at the table, we're sort of tucked in behind you guys. Uh, four points off. I can see you've got a couple of games in hand as well. So it almost needs, I think we've got two points per game for roughly nine or 10 games. It now needs the next nine or 10 games to be two points per game yeah. again. That's what we've left ourselves. And that would be likely fifth to seventh position. And then you're putting yourselves in in the sort of playoff um, question. It's a very long answer to how is the mood in the camp, Graham? But it describes it well. It's like when people ask me how the mood in Sunderland is, I'm like, well, which one? We've got a few um, bipolar, yeah, yeah, pretty much exactly bipolar football fan mood, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll go back to the start of the season really quickly. You've touched on, I think people knew the results because, as you said, the players that Ipswich brought in, and a lot of Sunderland fans were saying, Oh, look at the players they're bringing in, yada yada. Well, we and all, then, Graham, we were all linked with the same Sunderland, Ipswich, and Pompey seemed to be all linked with the same players all summer, didn't they? Piggott, wasn't it? I know, I remember Piggott was one of the big ones. Um, Ladkey, the goalkeeper as well. I think Edmondson, yeah. all Sunderland were linked with, you know, these sort of high-end League One players and the perceived big clubs like Sunderland and Ipswich, yeah. But as it was, you started the season horrendously and you touched on it before, when you're Sunderland, Ipswich, Portsmouth, whoever it may be, that the... I'm hoping that people who are not a fiction Southern fans don't listen to this because I'm not going to get any of the arrogant stuff. It will happen. But <clears throat> I think people sort of expected you to do a lot better at the start. The fact that you started so badly and teams like ourselves in this level, you're only two defeats away from crisis, to be totally honest. How was the mood losing? Well, not winning in the first six games. Was it kind of like total catastrophe? Uh Yes, it went there, but it was confusion, obviously, because it's, you know, it's it's a rarity to have a takeover, isn't it? That's a, what, a once, once per, I don't know what the football landscape is now, once per two decade thing. It's weird as well, um, even though both Ipswich and Sunderland have been down here for a while, it's weird grading yourself in League One terms as well, when you think you might be a, a championship club, really, um, even a top-end championship club, let alone a League One club, which, and even Sunderland, probably, you probably think you're a lower-end Premier League club, probably little higher status even than, even than Ipswich, based on 10 ridiculous years under Bobby Robson 40 years ago, basically, our expectations are, whereas <laughs> Sunderland, obviously, were in the Premier League for, what, 10, 10, 10 years, years. Yeah, from much, much more recently. Um, so I think it was confusion. And we'd got Paul Cook. And I remember um, I remember when Wigan went into administration thinking, 
Uh, Paul Kirk, parachute job in the championship. He'll get a good championship job. And he kind of hung in there and the job seemed to go elsewhere. And then all of a sudden he's at Ipswich and you think, what's, what's going on here? I, I had him as a grade above a grade above our our club. But I guess it's the same with people like Lee Johnson. They almost think I'm almost better having a run into the championship than, you know, being in there with a stodgy club that's been struggling to compete for 10 years or or what have you. So when the when the losses came, look, there was naturally the, oh, we've got this wrong, we've got the wrong appointment. You know, you get you get your reactive people like that. And look, it's that's their prerogative. Everyone's allowed their opinion, aren't they? And um, you know, if you think changing the manager every 15 games is the right thing to sometimes it works, sometimes it sometimes it doesn't. Um I thought that was an overreaction. I thought it would it would come round and I mean, come on, Graham, you know how it is. If if it does come round and Ipswich finish fifth and losing the playoffs, the same people will say change oh, the manager. Yeah. Well, it's very, very binary again with an Oxford, Ipswich, Sunderland, Portsmouth. You either get promoted or you don't. It's kind it's kind of kind of like that. And if you don't get promoted, it's oh, you're un, you're underachieving. And if you do, it's right, okay, here, here we go, up a level. So, like you said, you're only two games away from a crisis. The big caveat, obviously, was the squad turnover and um and I don't want to go back to our mutual friend Mr McCarthy but it feels like since Mick was at Ipswich he had an identity with the way he played and whether you like it or not it's very very pragmatic and you know get the ball in the other half get in shape and work back from there but it felt Paul Hurst then tried to do that didn't have enough time Paul Lambert never really he feel he feels like a old school motivator that if he's got good players and a good atmosphere it'll be fine Paul Lambert and it felt like for the first time since Mick was there really god which is 17-18 season um that they were starting to get trying to build an identity with tons of players so it would stand to reason that that would take a little while however i do understand the reaction of people, you know, you and again, we'll get accused of arrogance. Let me just say, I have the absolute utmost respect for Morecambe and Cheltenham. And these are, these are great clubs. You know, we, we do respect them, but the expectation is that you're going to beat them when you're Ipswich or Sunderland. In, be, you, can get, you can get cross be. about that. But um, as the great Billy Joel says in An Innocent Man, um, some people just accept the world as it is. And sometimes you have to, you know, if if someone brings in Paul Cook and spends a whole ton on salary and then plays Morecambe on the first day of the season, who were in League Two, with all the respect in the world to Morecambe and their excellent striker, Cole Stockton, who scored um, uh, a couple of goals, you expect to beat them. And it was just a, just a slow start. And I'll go back to what I said. We've got two points per game from the last nine, ten games. It's almost going to need that again and then people will be like okay this is our level maybe Wigan Plymouth Rotherham maybe those sides have got the run on us from the start of the season Sunderland as well to be fair but can we catch them up and by the time you get to the end of the season can we be around them and and then it's that three games in in the playoffs potentially isn't it so oh we'll try our best there was the 
I was going to say that that we've caught a bit of a run on you, but we'll try our best to fuck that up. The other sides might not, <laughs> but we, we will. So don't worry about us too much. Um, <clears throat> when it came to I remember it was the 5-2 five, five defeat uh, to Bolton. And obviously I, I did at the start of the season and, and occasionally we'll still do the, the third tier pod. And a lot of us were thinking, oh, how many bad results is he away from it? Like an actual, he might be away, yeah. but then, but then he picked up three what I would class as massive results, probably in terms of winning at Lincoln away. I know they haven't had the best of season compared to last year, but they are a good side. I, you know, they beat us in the playoffs last year. They've got a lot of decent players. Got a draw with Chef Wedge. Chef Wedge, huge resources as well in terms of their wage bill. So they've got decent players, even though they're in some kind of. Well, I don't think they're the richest club in the world, but the wage bill is quite high, isn't it? So that stands that they've got good players still and then you're hammered Doncaster 6-0 not the best side in the world but I San Marino last night with England you beat what's in front yeah, of you yeah. um, how important were those pre-Euro games in the context of Ipswich's season? Yeah hugely and the the thing that you can add into what you said Lincoln was a 1-0 away win and you know we had all these 2-2 draws and leaking goals like an absolute sieve and our central midfield is basically you know, you know that meme of the guy patting someone down at football? That was our central midfield for the first 10 games. It's just like, on you go, through you, through you come and create your big chance. And Sheffield Wednesday, was a, it, was, it was lucky. You know, it was a mistake by, I don't know if you've seen the goal where the keeper rolls it out and Bonnie's kind of hiding behind him and nicks it off him. So, the yeah, if you, you turn that one from four points to one point, and yeah, you're right. If And... Um, you always kind of have, I suppose, even like Jurgen Klopp, there, there's a number, isn't there? If it's game number 18 and he's 15th in the table, even Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola, it's like, oh, do they need to change the manager? And I suppose for Paul Cook, it's very much, it's it's distance to sixth position, isn't it? And um, hopefully the, you know, the, the higher ups at the club are playing the long game but you you're totally right if um you know if it goes one win in 12 or whatever at the start of the season and the goals against column and our goals against is still pretty hopeless paying for the sins of those opening days if if that had kept happening then yeah it 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 would have been it would have been crisis point and it does feel like there's been a couple of late goals and like you say playing Doncaster at home Bless them, you know, they were in a really bad way at that point, weren't they? And battered them 6 0. Um, yeah, t- timing can be everything, can't it? Yeah, very much so. I think, obviously, looking going into the game, obviously, we're speaking before your, your FA Cup replay, but obviously, focusing on the league. Um, you're currently ninth in the league. It does feel similar with Ipswich, not entirely the same, but you're touching it before that overhaul of the squad, it felt like. And I think, I can't remember which show I said it on, but I said, Ipswich feels like they've just gone, you know what? We've got to check everything here because it's, it's it's shit or bust. It's promotion or nothing. But after that shaky start, being in ninth, you start looking at playoffs. Has it realigned the expectations, that poor start? Or is the expectation still, no, we need to get at least promoted from the playoffs or, or still go for automatic? Um, I think it's realigned the expectations. Remember, you're talking to a fan base. I don't know what the number is for Sunderland. We've had one top six finish in about, let me add this up, 2005, 2006. We've had one top six finish in about the last 16 seasons, I think. So there's there's very much a, a stench of, you know, 
that this this club doesn't get the job done and hasn't and and we can talk about winning mentalities and philosophies and things but there just has not been that that one season under McCarthy sixth in the in the um championship and there's just been nothing else since so yes the expectations are high but it's with that um huge just sense of that we just haven't been a winning football club as an entity um, and I, I always say this, um, Graham, think back to Quinn and Phillips and Peter Reid. You, you and your fans turned up to every stadium, everywhere, Old Trafford, wherever, thinking, come on then, we'll give you a game today. Do you know what I mean? And you build that as a club, don't you, over yep. over years? And, we, you know, we... It's why it was nice to even, and you know, some will say, oh, how standards have dropped, you know, but that would be very disrespectful to Wickham. It's even nice to turn up to Wickham and give them a, you know, because just don't do that. You know, Ipswich have a hard game, they don't win. And that's been the same for, you know, a a decade. So I, I sense a bit from certain League One clubs that this is a bit of a reaction to FFP. And um, it's a bit like, you know how London sprawls out and how all of a sudden now Hackney's very expensive and, you know, it'll get all the way up to Watford. It feels like League One clubs now are a little bit, well, there's no actual number. You know, it's linked to salary and all of that. It's almost worth more spending the money at League One level than it is at Championship level. So I'm sensing that a bit with, with Wigan, maybe a little bit with Sunderland, definitely with Ipswich that, you know, and I hope they've done their due diligence on if they don't get up, you know, can they get out of the contracts and all that? Because, yeah, that could be a financial um, SHIT storm waiting to waiting <laughs> to happen. But, um, yeah, there's almost a sense of, no, spend the money now, try and start building the championship team. Because you can't do it in the championship, can you? The FFP and then the, the parachute teams bringing the wages up for everybody and having... 10 times the amount of money then just completely distorts it further. Um, I know you'll wince when I mention playoffs and stuff, but yeah, we're not, we're not great either. Eight appearances, one, one win. So yeah, there's, there's no expectation that unless Ipswich have got 90 points with 10 games to go, then we might get a little bit confident. (laughs) But um, the expectations are high, but there's, yeah, there's, there's many a slip betwixt cup and lip. And look, again, I'll reference it, need to see another 10 games of 1.8, 1.9, two points per game. And to think, okay, we've played quite well for 20 games now. And then you can still lose in the playoffs then, can't you? Well, you look at the one that we had last year, then a terrible run at the end. Kind of bobbed about and then just ended up in fifth and unfortunately went into the playoffs on horrendous run of form. So if you do go in the playoffs, make sure you don't go in on the run of one win in 10. Exactly. Um, statistically speaking, he's brought in a lot of players. On I've heard big wages, but again, I haven't seen the contract, so I can't confirm nor deny. Um, <laughs> but Macaulay Bond, Wes Burns, probably statistically the pick of the two. While George Edmondson, who obviously I watched a lot of Pierre when he was at Rangers, did really well until he decided to go party in June mid-COVID. And that kind of ruined his Rangers career, I think. But obviously a big name <laughs> signing at this level. Um, but statistics and reading things on paper don't always tell exactly which players we should be looking out for. Who are the players that are currently on form for you at the moment? 
Now you pretty much nailed it by looking at the numbers. Obviously, Bon, every team wants a goal scorer, don't they? And um, unfortunately, you don't want your goal scorer to be a lone player because you get um, lots of very prickly QPR fans who get get very protective of their um, of, of their man and like to like to tell us what is and isn't going to happen, despite the fact they have absolutely no control over it. And unfortunately, um, we have absolutely no control over it. But it would be great for Bond to see the season out because you think you know he's going to reach a really nice total. Um, Burns, yeah, decent. And I'd love him to build a partnership with Kane Vincent Young, the right fullback, who's been out for a long time with injury, but I think can be a, a very good Paul Cook. Um, you know, okay, look, he's not Reese James or Anthony Robinson. We we get it, but I think can be a very good Paul Cook fullback. Um, George Edmondson was another one I was going to mention that um, probably the stats didn't pick up, but your Glasgow Rangers link has. He He's probably a championship player and... You yeah, would think, think so. and it, far be it for me to go football manager but you'd think there's a break clause in his contract if he doesn't get promoted, that if someone comes along with whatever, 750000 they'll be able to pick him up in the championship. He's very good, and he's what you want in League One. You need that physicality, the concentration, and I, I don't want to patronise League One, but can they pass the ball? Can they easily pass the ball into central midfield? And if you can do all of those three things and you're not 35, you're a viable League One centre-half, um, aren't you? I'm a big fan of... Um, there's two players, Connor Chaplin, obviously, who, again, probably shouldn't be playing at League One level. He was Championship Player of the Month in December 2019. And neither should Bursant Selina. And again, we'll see what the break clauses are like in these contracts if we don't get promoted, because I suspect, you know, those those wage bills aren't sustainable two years running in League One. But it's very nice to have that um, that player in the number 10 position or, you know, off the front that can win you the game, really, you know, with a bit of skill. Um, and the big the big one is Sam Morsey, who um, we, we think and we hope stands for everything we haven't had at the club for a long time, as in a nasty central midfielder who's yelling at everyone, getting booked all the time, but raising the raising the standard. And it's not, oh, along come Ipswich, you know, we can we can beat them. Hopefully he can be the sort of nasty... Uh, like you had Kevin Ball for... Maybe I'm being a bit disrespectful to him as a player, but he's going to sit in midfield and, you know, make sure that everyone's pulling their weight. So, but, you know... You could have gone, we could have sat here pre season and gone through Ipswich's squad and made a case that, you know, even someone like Sunderland would have said, oh, no, we take that player and and pop him in there. They're very good players on paper, but you've got to make that gel as a team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think to be fair, it, it looks like it's getting there. Ipswich, Ipswich at home doesn't look as easy as it might have been two months ago, which is, you know, it's typical Sunderland that would have preferred in the first six weeks of the season, but there you go. Um, on the flip side, we talk about your poor start of the season. Um, we had a really good start of the season and I'm normally a, a big fan of asking this type of question anyway, but specifically with yourself, because I know you watch a lot more football than probably I do. Um, there is unrest at Sunderland at the moment. Some people are very much, would be stupid to sack Lee Johnson. Some people, a little bit on the fence. Some people are pretty much not wanting Lee Johnson. We're on a bad run of form, is, is the 
and as you said, you, you're all only two defeats away from crisis, but we've we've lost heavily recently in a few games. I think we've lost four and six to be precise. I haven't checked that, but I'm pretty sure it's four and six. There's a lot of mixed opinions on Lee Johnson, a lot of mixed opinions on Sunderland at the moment after a comment a few weeks, and sometimes asking the opinion of someone outside of the football club is the most balanced. When it comes to Sunderland, what do you make the club start of the campaign and Lee Johnson as a manager for the club? Well, I'll, I'll reiterate, the, you're never going to get away from club size versus current position disparity with Sun, with Sunderland, are you? Because of the, you know, the size of the fan base, their history in those recent Premier League seasons. So I, I think it's that simple when it comes to unrest. And I, I agree with you, you're only ever two games away. Lee Johnson absolutely fascinates me and has done for <laughs> a long time, trying to, mm-hmm. because at his best in the championship, you're looking at a um, a young up-and-comer. He's still not that old. I know he's been managing for years and years. And he would be a nuisance, and Bristol City would be a nuisance to playoff chasing teams and automatic teams. They'd go on good runs. And um, there's a couple of times, and yes, this is coupled with very good recruitment at uh, Bristol City. I don't know how much was Lee Johnson or you know, whoever in sporting director or CEO roles there. And that might parlay into a conversation about Mark Ashton, who's now at Ipswich, um, obviously. So at his best, Lee Johnson was quite a desirable championship manager. At his worst, which in the same season or a month after being his best, he was he was streaky Lee. He was, you know, he's got the little man syndrome. He's David Brenton it up in the press conferences. And you would think... Is it, you know, what's going on here? What's what's under the hood? And look, you're probably sick and tired of hearing the streaky Lee stuff. And then he'd go eight games unbeaten. And then he'd win away at second place in the league. So I I don't know. I suspect like Paul Cook and like Carl Robinson as well, maybe Gareth Ainsworth, Paul Warren. I suspect these guys all think they're championship level managers, don't they? And um, Lee Johnson certainly got a lot of experience at a level above where he is but you've got you've got to back it up when you drop down a level and again it's very binary could get promoted haven't you it's it's kind of kind of that straightforward if yep you know you'll know the number of months it is or seasons how long can lee johnson paul cook danny cowley etc stay in their job without being promoted and the answer is not as long as paul warren at rotherham or ryan lowe at plymouth or ainsworth at at Wickham, where maybe, you know, the club size is slightly different. Again, don't get annoyed by that comment. It is what it is. But um, that's a very long way of um, telling you. I I still can't get a read on um, yeah. Lee Johnson. At his best, you know, he's a level above League One and should be able to get Sunderland promoted. But then, and you're on one at the moment, you get these odd momentum shifts and and poor runs where it looks like, you know, never going to win. So um, we'll find out in the fullness of time whether Bristol City was a well-run club with good recruitment that consistently sold Lloyd Kelly or Brownhill or Codger or, um, God, there's tons of them, isn't it? Um, Joe Bryan, Bobby Reid. You know, they were good recruiters, probably second only to Brentford for a while in Mm -hmm. in the championship. And maybe I've answered my own question because when the recruitment tailed off, Bristol City tailed off. So hopefully I'm wrong for your sake that 
you know, Johnson was being backed up by some good uh, recruitment. But I don't know. What, what, what say you? I'm very Keir Starmer on the whole situation. Um, <laughs> very much got a lot of spelks in my backside. I think I'm erring towards not liking him. But I just don't okay. like link, I just don't like LinkedIn managers. I put my I put my hat out there. I, I I like managers like Peter Reed and some other guys that talk pretty straightforward. I don't like. You know Peter Reed's working Ipswich now, Graham. Yeah. Yes, I did see that yeah. actually. What What is he doing again? Remind me. Uh, he's consulting for um, Paul Cook. That was one of the narratives um, earlier in the season when we were losing. It was Cook hasn't got because it would have been Liam Richardson, who's obviously tearing it up for Wigan. Mm-hmm. He hasn't got experience um, in his um, kind of staff. So go figure, go and get Peter Reid. And I think they've done something together at, um, at Wigan. So look, I'm not going to get any dispute from you or any Sunderland fans that no. would, would you like to have Peter Reid around or not? And, you know, get him, get, get him involved. And, you know, even if he's just there, just like you know, him, I just love him. Yeah, just just there, and you know, if someone just go and say the right thing to somebody or whoever, just overseeing. Then um, it's, a, it's a weird one, really, though, because outside of Sunderland, he hasn't really done much. I hope I'm not offending him there. Um, no, as, as, as a manager, yeah, um, no, I mean, obviously, he's great, he's a great player, wasn't he? To be fair, I think he was quite decent at Man City, and I think. I think that might have been when Man City were a little bit crazy. I'd have to check my numbers and my stats on. Yeah, he did do that. quite well before. He came I think to he was sacked yeah. quite quickly um, at at Man City, and you know perhaps perhaps that's an argument. But yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a strange journey for him since. It's, it just felt like Sunderland was the perfect job for him sometimes, and it's hard to yeah replace that sometimes, isn't it? And that that's kind of how I feel, I suppose, about Johnson is that. There's certain managers that just marry very well with Sunland. I mean, even you look at um, Peter Reed, obviously the obvious one in my lifetime. Sam Allardyce for six months was great. Roy Keane's the other one. They're all very similar in terms of big personalities. And I'm not saying Lee Johnson doesn't have a big personality. He definitely does. Um, but not in the same sense that... No, you've you've very much got... You've just lifted listed me a load of extreme alpha males, you know, with Roy Keane yeah. being the obvious... And Lee Johnson does sometimes, and look, I've got nothing against the bloke. Some does sometimes come across as little man, you know, little yeah. man, big, big mouth. But I just, I think, um, you know, steering away from any criticisms of him as a person, I just think as a manager, Sunderland, Sunderland, Sunderland managers have certain personalities. Mick McCarthy, yeah, had like the worst run ever in the Premier League. There's reasons for that, but he got a really average side out of the championship and Mick McCarthy is very much in that Sam Allardyce Peter Reid oh these these people are just hugely charismatic if you yeah. if you meet them and it's and it's kind of old school you know where a manager just had to be the alpha male in the room the most charismatic can hold everyone's attention that was kind of the main job but now it's a bit, it's a bit different it's now different. and you do get your quiet um your quiet managers sort of you know, who are just coaches basically, and there's other people around the place to be chit chatting and you know doing the other, doing the other. But what about David Moyes as well? He's absolutely tearing it up in the Premier League, isn't he? I'm not discussing David Moyes on this show at any <laughs> point. And that and and thus that ends me my final question. <laughs> um, prediction time. I'm not great at them. 
I'm be honest, I haven't been great at them since the start of the show, but I'll always have a stab at it. Um, I, I think Lee Johnson's got a longer streak in him. <laughs> I don't think he's going to break that oh, streak dear. yet. So I'm going to take um, Ipswich 3-1. I'm going to go 3-1 Ipswich. Dear God, I'd, I'd be like a pig in the proverbial if that was the case. Look, as an Ipswich fan, you look at this and you try and play the long game and you think it's the away game. And I don't know if you're aware, there's a big promotion going on um, linking to the home game against Sunderland because obviously you guys have got the ridiculously devoted away support. It's on the 18th of December. It's called Pack Out PR for Pack Out Portman Road. And we think if it goes well, there might be some kind of attendance record in the home game. Um, obviously, it would be the most Ipswich thing in the world to get their first crowd of 30,000 in uh, 15 years and lose 1-0 at home to Lee Johnson's Sunderland. He'll be, out of, his, he'll be but, out of his streak by then, to be fair. By that point, I would hope... He'll either be out of his streak or out of his job, won't he? <laughs> one or the other. Yes, I think so. Yes. But obviously, I'm talking about the next game and I'm talking about Ipswich um, fixtures. We've got Rotherham um, next as well at good home Very good on team. the Tuesday. Um, oh, God. I'm just looking at this run as well. Um, Charlton. And then we've got Wigan. And then we got you again in December. So we have a difficult run um, whereby... So I'm quite happy to draw away games at the likes of Sunderland. Obviously, you've then you've got to pick up the odd home win so your points total isn't dropping too much I mean I'm sure Ipswich have got crew at home circled and then you know look um if you're going to finish in the playoffs you've got to you've got to win some games haven't you I wouldn't be totally unhappy with a you know with a just just go there get a point and focus on the focus on the home form but We've been been fairly decent um, away from home in that big win at Pompey, didn't we? Big win at Wickham as well. Maybe away suits us and um, we could try and play on transition and bomb the fullbacks forward. I suspect uh, we're recording on Tuesday morning. Might actually be a fairly strong team at Oldham tonight in the Cup. I think he's very keen just to elongate this run of not not losing um, games and, you know, making it, what did I say? Two defeats in fourteen or sixteen or something like that. Fourteen, I think. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't expect Ipswich to go to Sunderland and and win. I'd be, I'd be most happy with a, you know, with a scoring draw, depending on the, on the context. And I'm just a bit terrified by our fixtures at the moment. Look, if if we were to draw at Sunderland and win the return game with a huge bumper crowd, I'm sure every Ipswich fan would. Um, would would take that but but it's one of those isn't it where if it was 2-0 Sunderland 2-0 Ipswich or a 0-0 draw no one would be surprised with any of those outcomes would they no I don't think so um I think for Sunderland pretty much the way the mood is at the moment it's probably it feels like winner bust which is ridiculous really because it's not at all um a draw would probably hold the run in some ways but nonetheless that, that like as we've we discussed throughout the show that's something that's Ipswich at, at this level unfortunately yeah um but Ben before I let you go obviously there'll be people who are aware of where they can catch your other stuff as well but for the people who don't know where can we we'll grab your other stuff yeah so it's the Benjamin Bloom football channel on YouTube which is mainly covers the championship we do dip in I've got a couple of shows called dearly departed where we dip in with relegated teams 
of which Sunderland, of course, the one that we covered in the championship. Um, so there is uh, some Sunderland stuff. Of course, if you get promoted, I'll be covering Sunderland every week. So uh, well worth hitting the subscribe button in advance of um, such eventualities um, up in the northeast. And of course, as always, do oh good sneeze there, fantastic! I've, I've managed to hold my coughs in with the mute button fantastically, but we've got a sneeze in at the end. Great, um, a sneeze right in the middle of the plug. Yeah, <laughs> as well. People won't of, forget of all, it though. <laughs> of all the times, at Benjamin Bloom on um, on Twitter as as well. And if you haven't already subscribed to this one, um, apparently when I get to a thousand, something happens. I'm more curious than or I you care make- about subscriptions. But, you can make some money then, Graham, oh. if you get to a thousand on YouTube. Yeah, and you can live stream as well, I believe, something like that. Yeah, well, if you want that, then just I think I'm only about 50 away. So just subscribe. And if you don't like it, you can unsubscribe afterwards. I don't know what happened if you could dip back <laughs> under the 1,000, but let's try it anyway. Let's try it. But but Ben, lovely to catch up. Um, I hope yes. you have a miserable Saturday. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've, got, I've got to go and work at Leicester versus Chelsea. So I'm, I'm slumming it with the... Um, with the with the Premier League, so I'll, I'll be I'll be in the car. I, I'm probably guarantee exactly where I'll be when Sunderland take the lead. Um, which point of the M1 I'll be on between uh, Leicester and where I live in uh, in Bedfordshire. So yeah, um, but it, uh, we always say this, Graham. Good good luck, great club, um, Sunderland, isn't it? I, I in my small little head, the likes of Pompey and Sunderland, and you know these teams we've mentioned are a bit higher up and a bit thriving but hey you know it, it is what it is and you are where you are and you kind of deserve to be where you are if you're Ipswich or Sunderland at the moment and you know we can have a long conversation about Ellis Short or Marcus <laughs> Evans but hopefully you know both clubs are on an upward trend going forward yeah fingers crossed Ben thanks very much legend <laughs>